Hey, it's Shastin Rains, and welcome to Crosswalk Church. You're listening to Today's Presence, a podcast in which Pastor Tim hosts conversations about culture, daily life, and what the scriptures have to say. We desire to bring you encouragement and hope during this time. So once you finish this podcast, make sure to visit crosswalkvillage.com to find more information about our church and additional resources from our pastoral team. Hey, this is uh, Sam and Tim. Tim and Sam on today's presence. Thanks for joining us again. Sam, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Tim? I'm good. This is actually, this will be our 12th episode. Wow. Yeah. We we talk a lot. We do, well, is, you know, I think what's interesting is that what nobody knows is that before we even start these things, we spend about forty five minutes just chatting, and then at one point we go, <laughs> oh, you know, we should probably record this. That's actually why we're having these conversations. What we do say is a lot, man. Remember that. Remember that five. You better say it on right when we're recording, and then we forget. Yeah, and normally, normally there's one of us at one point who goes, let's just record this since we're having this conversation anyway. Um, true, true. Which is, which to me, just again, was the whole concept between the whole concept of this podcast was absolutely to just let people in on the, uh, on the conversations that we have kind of on a, we don't, yes. talk, we don't talk daily. We talk, we, we talk, talk a lot. We talk a lot. We've talked a lot. You know, I've noticed this just for the record and I, yep. I want to affirm this and I don't know what it means. Um, since you've moved from from chaplaincy at La Sierra over to the healthcare system, I feel like we talk a lot more. What is that? What's going on with that? What's I don't the, want my psychology cur- my current uh, supervisors to hear you say that because it makes it sound like I don't work. No, it's not <laughs> like, like I work less. <laughs> we're not like chatting for four hours on a Tuesday afternoon. We work. We work. <laughs> and I was talking to your boss yesterday, and he. Okay. He needs to talk okay, to okay. you. Apparently, he needs to talk to you. Is what he said to me. Mm. I'm just kidding. He doesn't. He was at Lowe's. Actually, your boss was at Lowe's talking to me at two o'clock on a Tuesday. So he was. He was not sheltering in place. That concerns he, me. He shelters in place by building things. So I think he's redone his whole house <laughs> twice in the last six weeks, from what I understand. Uh, you know who you are, my boss. You know who you are if yeah. you're listening. He's never going to listen to this. He would never listen to this. He, his answer would be, why would I listen to you guys? I know you guys. <laughs> I have no interest in listening to you. Hey, you want to hear something funny? So my wife, my wife listens. And really? she did say the other day on one of our walks, she said, have you guys ever thought about developing your ministry of listening? What do you think That's, that means? <laughs> why? What? Why would we do a podcast to listen? Hey, f- hey, thanks everyone. I think it's our way coming. of saying you talk too much. Huh? <laughs> that is the whole idea of a podcast. Does she not understand what a podcast is? You can't get on a podcast and be like, hey, everybody, thank you so much. We're just going to be listening today for 15 minutes. <laughs> That's not how pod. Is that how podcasts work? <laughs> we, should, we should probably get the content before this gets worse. Uh, <laughs> a, any announcements? Announcement number one. Questions, please uh, submit your questions. Yeah. Where at Tim? Where can they submit their questions? They can submit their questions to podcast at crosswalkvillage.com. Awesome. So, any questions and, that you have, any comments, any comments? And hey, can you review? How does that work? Can you review a uh, a podcast on Apple iTunes? Can you review it? Yes, yes, you can. I don't know that we have any reviews, but maybe maybe somebody should review it. Um, we have stars. Oh, I hey. think which means that people have given us some kind of feedback 
on whether this is useful or not. So yeah. Is it is the star system is the star system like one star for being super awesome and five stars for being eh? It depends. Or is it the opposite if, way. If it's if we get only one star, I'm gonna say that one star means awesome. Perfect. I will reinterpret this scale right. <laughs> to fit my needs. <laughs> I think that makes sense. I think that's reasonable. No, I we're, you know, in, the, we're, we're in the age when facts don't matter. So that's that's okay. Fake news, fake stars. That's a that's a fake star. That's a fake one star. Um yeah. Good morning, I, I was oh, I don't know that there's too many more. I mean Connect, go to, go to, for me, Crosswalk Village, right? Go to crosswalkvillage.com. Pretty much everything is housed there. Everything you want to do, everything you want to know about the church, um, get in touch with us. We're in some great conversations about some really interesting opportunities to maybe plant some more churches. So that's kind of exciting. Hopefully we'll be able to roll some of that information out over the next few months. Where are your campuses now? If anyone's joining podcast for the first time. Yeah, our campuses right now are uh, obviously Redlands, California. We have a campus in Chattanooga, California. That's not true. Oh, wow. There's Chattanooga? No, you you have no just... Chattanooga. There's no Chattanooga, California, from what I understand. But I did learn this week that there's more than one Chattanooga. What? Yeah, there's more than one Chattanooga. No. Our, our campus is in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but there is more than one Chattanooga. Rick Anderson told me, and I can't remember where it was, but... That's, so that's one. Okay. That's one. Then in Northeast Atlanta, in uh, Buford area, Flowery Branch area, we've got a campus out there. Um, they're getting excited because it looks like they're going to take the restrictions away. So they're hoping to meet again soon. And then um, we also have a new campus that is just coming online up in Clinton, Massachusetts with a group up there that was called Remix and they're transitioning. Uh, we're having in those conversations, they're transitioning to be Crosswalk Clinton or another name that we may come up with, but we're going to call that a Remix campus for a while just so people can understand. And then um, we have a campus in LA that has been monthly and obviously nothing's happening with it right now, but we hope to get them started and go weekly as soon as we can once this is hmm. over. Hey, and I don't want to... Uh, really forget the fact that every living room has been a campus over the last month, right, man. right? And and um, as we heard recently in the leadership meeting at Crosswalk, there are, what was it, 17,000 people tuned in or watched total um, the over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it was Easter, so a lot of... It's funny that, that um, even... Even our numbers spiked on Easter like they normally do when people are like, oh, I got to go to church twice, right? Christmas and Easter. Um, even at home, they feel that way. They're like, oh, I better sit down and watch <laughs> for an hour on Easter. So, yeah, that's kind of fascinating. Um, and their number, our numbers went down the next week a little bit. But um, listen, I think people are just consuming three and four and five church services a weekend now. Everything's available. Everything's online. So we're just blessed that anybody would give us any time, whether it's three seconds, whether it's 30 minutes, whether it's an hour, whatever. We're just, you know, we feel blessed. And we're really blessed by the people who have found the content meaningful and then have chosen to support the ministry. That's been really huge. A lot of new givers. So if you're any of those people, thank you so much. You can always give through our website, obviously. But um, we're just really grateful for people who want to see this ministry continue to grow and, and create meaning in their lives, which is... Um, 
man, it's such mm. an honor. It's such an honor to be able to do that. And we have such a phenomenal team at Crosswalk. I'm blessed all across our campuses, really. It's so much fun to work with everyone. So anyway. Well, it looks, as I watch, it looks like it is, you guys are having fun and, well, um, I'm, and producing I'm, these. You know, I'm trying to get you to preach, at least with me, if not uh, on your own, I'm trying to get you to preach to a camera and you seem to be hesit- hesitant, um, hesitant, although you will preach for almost anyone else but me right now. I think that's interesting. Is 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 this what you want to record for the it masses has, to it hear? It has not. This? It has not gone unnoticed. Tim, I have I have said that I will eventually. Um, I just don't have as refined or practiced a presence as you have for camera. My voice was made for radio or for podcasting, maybe not for television. I don't, know what, you, I don't even know what that means. You know what the fr- the phrase is, your voice was made for radio. I mean, no, I said it wrong too. It's your face was made for radio. We don't know what we're doing. That's horrible. Should we just, should we just Let's wipe see, it? Should we just wipe it clean and start again? We, this could be, this could be episode 14. Just finish. Just this is a closing note. Episode 11 and a half. Just and no, no, no one's interested. No. <laughs> Well, in our last episode, I'll move us along. In our last episode, we began a conversation about theodicy, what is arguably the single most difficult challenge to the Christian conviction that that God's character is one of perfect, perfect goodness, perfect benevolence, right? This is, theodicy is our way of trying to vindicate a good and perfect and loving God to the evil, the the suffering, and the pain that we see happening in the world. And you walked us through the first, I think it was four we did last last time, so. right? Something like that. Yeah. The the first four models um, of of thinking about theodicy. And um, let's go back to it, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Um, there's a few more. There's a few more that we're talking about. One is a finite God theory. Um, which is essentially, you know, saying, well, listen, God can't do everything, right? Even God can't do everything. And, and I think the background for that or the, the justification for that would be like between good and all powerful, Job chooses good. Job chooses a God that's good rather than all powerful. Um, Hmm. kind of the background for that. And Job is always a fascinating thing for me. We don't need to spend a whole time exegeting Job, but you know, when Job finally is like, yeah, God, what's going on? God's like, Oh, were you, were you there when I hung the stars? <laughs> you, you, weren't, you weren't shut up. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a loose paraphrase of the Hebrew. <laughs> very, very, very loose paraphrase. I, I think God is a little more, Careful and how no, actually, but no, you're right. Actually, that's exactly how God comes at Job. Yeah, God's most of not. the book is Job complaining, Job complaining, and then God <laughs> saying, "Okay, sit down. Yeah, let me explain like, this." But, so, and we're not going to actually do the entire book, but I will just say this: that I don't think Job people who go to Job to find a conclusive explanation uh, for theodicy don't find it because God does not explain Himself. Or reveal the reason for Job, Job Job's suffering in in that book, right? Uh, he actually, instead, he, God. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was. I was just, he seems a little dicey. Like he seems a little bit like you don't get to ask those questions. What God does is actually expand, try to expand Job's understanding of his relationship to God. Right. 
Right? That's really what happens in that book. Right. Um, and I will also say this, just if I may insert this here too, that the Bible, the Bible has, as you're walking us through these models, Tim, mm-hmm. um, the Bible approaches the subject in in a variety of perspectives too. Right. Right. So we can't we can't go to the Bible to arrive at one single conclusion on what's the right way of thinking about this, which oh. is why we don't have one. Oh, but Sam, <laughs> I think I think there would be people who would argue with you about that. I, I, here's here's what I think. I think most people's experience with theodicy comes from cliches that other Christians say about God. Yes, right. Yes, like. Like I was at a, I was, a yes. I was at a funeral for a three and a half year old who died of leukemia, and I, I'm in the receiving line, you know, waiting to to give my condolences. And my daughter was like six months younger at the time, and so we're we're just wrecks. Like we had been crying through the whole thing, and um, we get to the we get to the parents, and the person in front of me, and I have no idea who it was. Person in front of me said, "Well, God just needed another angel." Yeah, that's. And yes, like I'm That's now common. I'm I'm angry, right? And I'm like, and I, we know the people who lost their their daughter, and I was like, how can you handle that? And they're like, well, that's what she needs to to say to get through this. You know, we don't, we certainly don't believe that, but um, so I think that a lot of our experience with people's theodicy or the way that they're structuring it is is comes from cliches that actually, when you exegete those cliches, have a tendency to be. Uh, incredibly detrimental to the idea and character of God, but but you know sometimes Christian yeah. language is easy, like we just throw it out there and think that it makes sense. So anyway, finite God theory, right? Um, then there's protest theodicies, right? Protest theodicies are essentially saying suffering doesn't make it possible to believe in God; it actually makes it impossible to believe in God. So a protest theodicy is a, hey, I'm not going to defend God in the midst of this. In fact, this probably leads us to an understanding that there's not God. And, you know, anyone who's worked in faith as a faith leader has had this conversation with someone who's like, God can't be good. Mm -hmm. There's just, there's no, there's no, there's not enough evidence for a good God in the midst of this kind of suffering in the world. Yeah, Yeah. And, so if you want to read, you know, fascinating, fascinating writing, uh, you know, read Wiesenthal, uh, read Viktor mm-hmm. Frankl, you know, people who went through the Holocaust and some who made it out as deep believers, some who couldn't believe in God anymore, but still could believe in ideas of, um, you know, forgiveness and that sort of thing, just couldn't believe in God so much anymore. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty fascinating when you see some people who suffered like that, which is a very different kind of suffering than I think most of us talk about, you know, like my iPhone isn't charged. So I had to go for 30 minutes without it is a different kind of suffering. I think, you know? Mm, Yeah. So, yeah. So there's, there's also a, um, I don't know that there's a term for this. I was doing a series on, on, on suffering a long time ago, quite a few years ago. And, I came across a group of theologians. I can't even remember their names, just kind of anecdotally here. But there's a group of theologians that essentially said, Christian theologians, that essentially said, listen, um, there's only one response to suffering that is Christian. And that response is to alleviate suffering. And so we don't necessarily believe in the efficacy of figuring out where suffering exists. 
or where mm. suffering should be placed in someone's theology. Because once you understand where it fits, you have a tendency not to be so um, horrified by the suffering. So the only Christian response to suffering is less theological and more practical. You must alleviate suffering, right? Which I, just for the record, like, I love that. I love the, the let's not figure it out. Let's fix it. Let's, let's be, let's be that compassion in the world to, to stop the suffering. And I think that, um, I think that when we want to think about suffering theologically, if we can just find a place for it, then we can be okay with suffering. And this response says there, you should never be okay with suffering, but Mm. it's, but it doesn't really answer the question. It just tells you what you should do. It'll never be, well, you can either see it as a cop out. Like Mm. I don't, I just don't, I just don't want to wrestle. I don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to go and do the work of, of repairing and reforming and um, alleviating suffering rather than, than having to worry or, or spend time or energy in understanding this. I'll leave right. it in the realm of mystery. Um, but on the other hand, and th- isn't this the, I mean, this is, we find this in scripture too. Yeah. Don't we, don't we find Jesus saying, um, I don't, I don't, the poor you always have with you. Yeah. Right? This is not about a, a solution to this problem now. Um, your, your task is not to ask questions about this, but to become part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I actually, just to be clear, I resonate with this. Yeah. Um, because I grew up in that kind of household. My right. parents were less, my parents wouldn't, if they're listening, I love you, mommy, papi, te quiero muchísimo. But my parents were not, they wouldn't even know what theodicy is. They would mm-hmm. have never heard that term and they could care less because what they wanted to do was to care for people in their little clinic in Nicaragua where I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was it. That was their one sole focus. So if you were to ask them, why is, there, why is this child suffering from easily curable diseases that humanity should not be struggling with anymore? Um, or why are we, why is this clinic uh, overrun by people who just haven't been vaccinated? Their answer would be, uh, uh, why is, and, and if, you, if you made the question, why is God allowing this to happen? They would say, that's not for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. God is, we're not putting God on trial here. Right. Hey, do you remember that um, the, the novel and the film, uh, God on Trial. Remember that? No. No. Should, okay. should I? When was I should. Great. Um, it is a the the um, a group of Jewish men at Auschwitz decide one day oh. to put God on trial. Yeah. Actually, I do remember that vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. What an excellent film. Um, and yeah, yeah they let's, put God on trial. They have a whole trial. That's interesting. Yeah. And they declare God guilty. Did they? Yeah. Wow. But he's still God. Right. That's right. <laughs> right. And I always, when, when I give a lecture on, on theodicy, because there are, there are times people struggle. They struggle. They get angry with me. I've had people say, are you trying to destroy my faith? Because all of these, you can poke holes, holes in all of these. And I kind of sure. do that. And um I also want to remind people like God is not subject to the words that I use. 
a definition or a, or an answer that I think makes sense. God is not beheld to that. And if I, you know, if, if at the end of it all, we get to heaven and God goes, you were wrong. I'm going to be like, Oh, okay. Well, we've mm-hmm. got a little time. We've got a little time. <laughs> Why don't you explain it to me? Like, I'm fine with that. Right. I, but, but I think, I think that, you know, what your parents experienced was the particularity of suffering, right? It's the particularity that makes it real. When we talk about suffering as an abstract, we have great fun conversations. When we are, when we are mm. particularly suffering, all of a sudden those conversations become very different, right? Yes. And you also have a tendency to understand you might not get an answer in a different way. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, or either either where you're going through suffering, or when you're witnessing right. profound suffering around you. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Because we, we have we have the luxury while we're in our sheltering in place COVID weeks here to ponder philosophical questions about um, theodicy, and but when you're in the midst of suffering, you don't have you don't have this. That's that's not the time that you don't have time or capacity right. to process all that. Right. I was, I was teaching a nursing class and this one was to nurses, not to people who would be nurses, but they were nurses. It was an RN to BSN program. And um, I, I'm having this, I'm doing this lecture and this, this woman raises her hand, this nurse. And she's like, I you know, I've worked in, I've worked in emergency rooms my whole life, 25 years in my career. No one has ever asked me any of these questions. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But have you asked these questions? of yourself. And she's like, well, not while I'm doing the acute care. And I was like, good, <laughs> like stay focused. But in your quieter moments, have you begun to process this? And she's like, well, yeah, of course, you know, yeah, of course we all do. And I'm like, well, that's why we're having this discussion. I think she just wanted out of class. It was a, it was a <laughs> Thursday night class for four hours. I think she wanted to be gone, which is fair. Um, a couple, hey. a couple more, a couple, yep, uh, a, a few it. more. Yep. So there's, um, there's a suffering God theodicy, which basically says like God is not abstracted himself, right? But he suffers along with, uh, with us. Therefore, identifying with his creations much more profoundly. So again, doesn't necessarily answer the question of why, but what we understand is that God is with us. He's, he's proximal to us. He's going through that suffering. And because of the incarnation of Christ, he understands that suffering in a very different way. Um, and there's some beautiful things to understanding that. Again, you know, we're always looking for we're always looking for the causality of suffering. Like, where did this come mm-hmm. from? And, and most of these theodicies, quite honestly, they still kind of lead us back to God. They kind of lead us back to the idea that God may kind of, may kind of be responsible for this. Um, hmm. And so you, what do you do, right? You conform your theology to either be okay with that or you continue to work till you can find a way to let God off the hook a little bit. Um, and, and that brings us to kind of the final one that we can spend a little bit of time on that I, that Rick was really kind of a, one of the forefronts in, in forefronts. He was, he was one on of the, the forefront. He was on the forefront of thinking about this back in the day with the University of Chicago and some of his colleagues, which would be, um, which would be, you know, open theism, openness of God, mm-hmm. theodicy, which essentially says, and, again, not doing justice to this, but the future is partly open and full of possibilities. And in some respects, or many respects, God is experiencing that, that unfolding of time 
with us and therefore there's free moral agency that is wrapped up within that. Um, it means that God knows everything that there is to know. It means that God is the most powerful being in the universe. There might be some limitations in the way that we've traditionally understood benevolence, omnibenevolence, not omnibenevolence, but uh, omniscience and omnipotence. Um, we may need to redefine those words a little bit, which some people are comfortable with understanding that they're words and some people are deeply uncomfortable with because this is we've traditionally defined these words that god can do anything and god knows everything and there's no limit to that um and and the you know the one of the suppositions or presuppositions of open theory or open theism is the idea that hey maybe we define those words wrong maybe it's not you know maybe we've put god into a, a, a paradox by asking by saying God is all powerful, all knowing, all loving, and then saying he's also perfect, which by the way, perfection has a tendency to connote stasis because how do you, yeah. how does one become one? How does one become more perfect? Therefore nothing kind of enters into God's experience and nothing goes out of God's experience. That's all done. Um, the question I pose in my class is which day is it for God? Hmm. You know, is it, mm. is it Wednesday morning for God? And I get, you know, I get, I get it. We got time zone issues, but you know, I, I try not to go into that. We're having a f philosophical conversation because um, mm. the logistics mm. of how God works, I don't know. But um, asking that question, because if this is all done and God knows the end from the beginning, which by the way, says in scripture, um, if, if that's all completely finished, then was the shirt that you chose today really a free choice or is it done because God knows it as a fact? Mm -hmm. right yeah and the arguments would be for it would be like well i don't know i didn't know so it was a free choice but that's not really how facts work yeah right facts if, if it's done and god knows it as a fact and there was no choice in you choosing the green shirt that you're wearing today then was it a free choice and so again from an Arminian standpoint, this gives an incredible amount of free moral agency and free will argument to people. From a, from a reform argument, it's like, wait a second, you just took a bunch of power away from God and that's not good. What you've done is you've diminished the sovereignty of God, which is very important. And God, if God's not, then is he even God anymore? Is he just some being? I'm pretty comfortable with God being the most powerful being in the universe, but then, then understanding that there might be some limitations to that. I'm okay with that because it's still way more powerful than I am. Like it, to me, it doesn't diminish the power of God in any way, shape or form. In fact, in some ways it enhances it because we've got those competing ideas that of the transcendency of God and then the intimacy of God. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Which I think mm -hmm. is a, I think the Trinity has a really powerful way of, 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 you know, answering a lot of those questions, which we won't necessarily go into today, but, um, so, so open theism is a, a way to look at theodicy as well that I think has a tendency to kind of let God off the hook, which sounds like a little bit of a punt, which I don't mean it to sound like, but it lets God off the hook a bit for the causality of suffering. And, and it, also, it also imbues into humanity free moral agency that is kind of unfettered free moral agency, which then says Adam and Eve, when they took the apple, had a true and real and free choice. Did it surprise God? That's a different question, hmm. right? If God knows everything that there is to know and literally knows everything that there is to know. So he knows everything about Sam Lenore. He knows what Sam likes, what he doesn't like. He knows when Sam went to bed. He knows what Sam is thinking. He knows how lazy Sam is. He knows that Sam's getting Easy. up very early in the morning. Let me get through <laughs> this illustration, please. Um, <laughs> 
he knows that Sam's getting up very early in the morning to finish up something that he hadn't finished up the day before. And so he's going <laughs> to grab the thing that's closest to his bed and he can see what's closest to his bed. Do you think God was surprised when you picked the green shirt this morning? I love it. I love it too. No, but so he probably yeah. wasn't surprised by any means. And he also knew all the implications of if you choose, chose the red shirt this morning. The infinite, he knows, he knew the infinite probabilities. Right. That we're not even capable of calculating because we don't have that kind of science or math to know. Right. And so how but, far, how far can that predictive quality go for God? Pretty deep. Yeah. To, to 10 years from now? with all the possibilities of what could happen to a hundred years from now to a thousand years from now, maybe he could go, he could go that deep. But as you chose the green shirt today, it was your choice and it hadn't happened. It did not exist. That choice did not, that choice as a fact did not exist until you made it. That's free moral agency, right? Yes. Uh, by the way, I am wearing a green shirt. That's actually factual. Well, yeah. <laughs> Why would I choose a green shirt if it, why would I, I just pick a random color if it's not true? <laughs> our dear listeners may not know that you're actually, that we can actually see each other when we're having this conversation. Now, um, I want to say that um, when I first encounter open theism, and by the way, this opens a whole new, we could probably do weeks and weeks of podcasting on this, on the questions that all this is going to generate. Right. Um, and I don't think we come to to uh, this conversation again, claiming that we know the answers or that our answers are awesome. correct or that we have figured this out. So, or or that, the, we want, that we want to be in a theological discussion with somebody who disagrees with us. That's, that's I'd like to that's put that true. out there too, because yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for discussion, but like, I don't want to fight with anybody. Yeah, I don't want to argue either. This is, not, uh, this is not what this is about. It's Tim and I having a conversation um, and hey, this is how we've wrestled with it in, in some of the places we've come to that are meaningful to us. So right. when I came to open theism uh, some time ago um, through Rick's book and then some of the other open theist, uh, Pinnock, I think is one of the names. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the concepts that really had a profound impact on me is, is thinking about what you said about perfection and how we have misunderstood what the word perfection means when we apply it to God. Because in fact, you can't, I guess our, our, our tendency is to think of perfection in the Greek sense that something is perfect and any movement away from perfection is necessarily to imperfection because you right. cannot change from a perfect state. There's no way to, um, but when the Bible says that God is, so when the Bible says when the God is unchanging, um, you keep reading and you see God changing. Right. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. So right. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But, but the the Jewish way of thinking about perfection is is fundamentally different in that we're describing qualities of God that are unchanging. And um, and this is why I think open theism, um, not to keep using the word open, but opens a way of thinking about God that is uh, way more meaningful, relevant, and theodicy actually plays a, p- a part in this, right. um, I think, because um, then when you think of God as a the owner of a massive garden farm that 
that is concerned with the well-being of this, of every being, every blade of grass, everything that's happening in this, in his universe, um, instead of God controlling every cell and every, um, so that everything acts precisely according to how he wanted it to go, um, you begin to understand why our relationship to God is beautiful, in fact, and why uh, the creator-creation relationship is, um, uh, is it's so profoundly, deeply more meaningful. Now, um, again, I will say that um, it's hard when we talk about these things, people going through deep suffering, which is how we are arrived at this, I think, right? At this question. Um, some of these conversations can be really deeply unsatisfying. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're academic. So let me ask you this question, Sam. What's a, what's a, what's a, a pastoral chaplain response to suffering? Because you, you deal with it and your people deal with it in the acuity of suffering. Well, the, the first thing you must think of as a pastor, and pastor chaplain, in these moments, we're all the same. Yeah. No. Um, is to is to think person centered responses and care. Mm-hmm. Right? Not, I don't think you can begin with a. Let me bring to you my <laughs> my nine theodicies <laughs> and see where you land. <laughs> By the way, they're going to take your blood right now while I'm. Here. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe not the best conversation. Well, because, you know, you're dealing with a person's worst day. Right. And in that moment, your task is to get them to the next step. Um, And the next step may be um, to help them think about the next hour as a possibility. And and sometimes it's to help them think of meaning. Is there meaning in these moments you're going to spend here? And what is it? Um, and, And I'll tell you this, the... I resonate with the theodicy that explains um, theodicy as a um, a God suffers with us. Yeah. Um, And I think that I find more useful when we're talking to somebody who's going through deep pain. Mm -hmm. Um, That God understands, God God experiences this with you, God is with you. I find that in scripture a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I find I will deliver you... Uh, as often as I find, I will be with you in scripture, yeah. Yeah. which I think is um, something we've got to really pay attention to. Yeah. What does Leonard Sweet say? He says, you know, your witness is nothing without your witness, mm. which is a, mm. a sweetism, as they say. Thank you, Len. Yeah. Bingo, Tim. Bingo. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, man. And I think that Listen, I think the philosoph the philosophical conversation goes out the window when you hurt. And the the question we always ask is why me? Maybe the question we should be asking is what now? Right. Yeah. I, I think that's that's probably where to, I find myself here. How do I respond? How do I be a person of faith? How do I continue to hold on? What gives me hope? That's one of the questions, right? That um that uh oh, what was his name? Um Oh, I can't think of it now. Um, the old, old theologian, Will Alexander, 
I knew him when he was <laughs> 90 and I love him because I said, when are you going to retire? And he said, are you kidding? I've done my best work since I was 75. Um, mm-hmm. But, but he, one of the questions he would ask, first of all, the question he found to ask patients was what are you famous for? That, that question right there was the best identifying marker because people would think about what they were really like, what the best part of them was. So he would ask every patient that question. And then the other question he would ask is what gives you strength? What's going to get mm. you through this time? And I don't think it was often, oh, well, you know, the openness of God theory of theodicy. Like, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anybody says that. I think that, you know, belief that God is good, belief that, you know, my family loves me, belief like we hold our hope in something and, and not the philosophical understanding. But we can also, what's interesting to me is that when we suffer, we can live in mystery a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Like, we don't need, we need assurance that God loves us, but we don't need the surety that, that our theology always gives us. You know, yes. sometimes, sometimes the certainty becomes a sin, right? Yes. It becomes the breaking of the third commandment. Right. We right. build idols and images that we think yeah. represent everything that God is. Yeah. And we build them out of words if we're not careful, right? Our, our paragraphs and sentences hold the cathedrals of our thought. And then we, then we, you know, we worship, we worship the cathedrals rather than inhabiting the building. Oh, Tim, that's a... That's what a great metaphor. That's a lot. That's a lot for 7:30 in the morning. We have been inhabiting the cathedrals. Yeah. Of our of our words. Yeah. So so you know, I listen, I don't think we solve these, I don't think we solve these problems, but I think this there's a lot of different ways to think about it. And um I've appreciated the conversation over the over the last couple of days um of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I'm sure we're just ruining people's like the mystery of the podcast. We're just really, like they they had that conversation over two days. They must have thought yeah. about it. No, yeah. we just ran out of the room and went to the restroom and started again. <laughs> All we did. Sorry, that's a horrible way to end this. It was so beautiful. You're so beautiful. Revealing all our secrets. But <laughs> Listen, Tim, it is so good. It is so good to hang out with you this morning. No, man, this is great. Thank you for thank you for the conversation. We love we'd love to answer. I don't know answering more questions. We'd love to talk about what you're interested in talking about. Um, huh. And if you find any benefit in what we're saying, thanks for it. Uh, you know, we've kind of all both dedicated our lives to just engaging in the questions and helping people move a little bit closer, moving their orbits just a little bit closer to Jesus. That's kind of what we want to do. So if this conversation has helped you with that, praise God. And if it hasn't, shut it off, shut it off quick and don't <laughs> figure out how to not subscribe to it anymore. I, I subscribe to things I subscribed to five years ago because I can't figure out how to stop subscribing on all my different devices. But um, I want to give you the freedom to do that. Anyway, hey, one, uh, one interesting one bit, and then we're wrapping it up. Um, you want to listen to a guy who deconverted out of Christianity, but asked some of these questions in his songs. And I think I may have mentioned it before. David Bazan, his mm. album, Curse Your Branches. Fascinating take on some of this stuff. There's, it, there's a lot of this kind of wrapped in and interwe- interwoven in the mosaics of his songs. So um, interesting. David Bazan, Curse Your Branches. Sam, thank you so much for your time. I always appreciate hey. it. Uh, this is Sam and Tim. Tim and Sam, this is today's presence. Thank you guys so much for being here and we'll catch you the next time you you nailed that closing this time that was hey, great man, I'm getting there i'm getting there i wrote it down i wrote it down because i'm an idiot anyway thank you <laughs> love you guys <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>